if you'll stay standing, would you give me just a little bit of time to preach now to you? Thank you for the pledges that you have given to She's for Christ. I concur wholeheartedly with everything that Brother Lowe said. And I believe that the strength of our church is the fact that we see beyond the walls of our church. But I, I want to preach to you, and, and when Sister Buford was talking uh, towards that last song, um, I, I could have said some very similar things in that, and maybe perhaps some of what I say tonight is birthed out of that loss uh, that we, we saw. But um, I, I saw, I'm, I'm not going to read a verse quite yet, but I saw a quote, it's been a while ago, I saw a quote from Brother Joel Urshan, and he has just an incredible way with words. In fact, if, if I can be jealous and not, not go to heaven, then um, I'm jealous of his way with words. But he made this statement several years ago. I've seen the righteous weep. I've seen the righteous struggle. I've seen the righteous stumble, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Would you let me preach one more time? I looked over the, the, the history of our, of our messages. I, I looked through it. Thank you, media team, for, for putting those where I can go peruse them when I need. And I, I have realized that over the course of the last six or seven years in different ways and, and different, uh, uh, my, my dad has preached it, I've preached it, others have. But can I just remind somebody today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter if you're weeping or struggling or even stumbling, can I just tell you today, you've got an anchor in Christ Jesus and sometimes you gotta stick it in the ground and hold on and say, God, I'll stay until you let me go. Would you close your eyes right now, Father? I love you and I thank you. I thank you for allowing us to enter into your presence with our worship, that you have accepted our worship. And Lord, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would guide us and strengthen us. Let your will be done, we pray, in the remainder of the service. Let your word speak, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I was reminded a few years ago traveling to Marion and being there for the funeral of your uh, grandmother, Brother Lowe, Sister uh, Vida. And, and I remember hearing things. I, I didn't know her. Uh, sometimes you go to a funeral and you get to know somebody through uh, those that talk about, about her. But it was quite obvious that Sister Vida there in Marion, she was the rock. In fact, if I understood correctly, at that point, she was the last remaining charter member of the First Apostolic Church founded there in Marion, Illinois by Pastor Ron Walls. Brother Ron Walls had been pastoring at that church at that point over 40 years and had made the statement, Sister Vida was always faithful. On a side note, it's uh, interesting to, to watch and to see in my line of ministry and work, if you will, the difference between a funeral of someone who knows they're saved versus someone who is not. It's a whole totally different experience. But I remember at that funeral, one of the men from the church spoke concerning Sister Vida many times that she would come to him and ask him to sing that song. And he would on occasion sing it. And at the funeral, they sang it. And it's a song from my, my youth, my childhood. It's the old Ray Bolt song, The Anchor Holds. We don't do a lot of specials anymore. Maybe we can. I tell my wife I want to get back into that every once in a while. But the old Anchor Holds, 
though the ship is battered. The anchor holds, though the sails are torn. He goes on to say, I've fallen on my knees as I face the raging seas. But the anchor holds, and then this statement, in spite of the storm. Would you give me just a little bit of time to elaborate on this simple thought, I have an anchor. I could take you with it, and although perhaps I'm just telling you the story instead of the spiritual truths, but I could take you to Acts chapter 27 there in in, in verse 1 where Paul who has willingly allowed himself, he, he could have gone free. If you'll read the book of Acts, he could have gone free, but there came a time where I think Paul was just tired of messing with the Jews. Everywhere he went, those uh, Jews and, and um, Pharisees and Sadducees were constantly uh, bringing false accusations against him. And finally it was that he stood there in the courtroom again. And the, the judge said, I, I, I can't really find any fault. And, um, and, and Paul says, you know what, I appeal to Caesar. I'm tired of going through this. So how about you just let Caesar handle it? And and, and the, the judge says, well, Paul, uh, I would have let you go, but since you've appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you shall go. Paul goes. He's setting sail for Italy, for Rome. Other prisoners are there with him. And, and there, perhaps Luke is even with him as well. And they are uh, uh, hanging on a ship and they're going they, they dock a few times and he goes ashore he's kind of under arrest but not quite the way we would see it but there he begins to write or the writer at the book of Acts says that they go to sea and they find headwinds that come up against them it's very hard for them to make any uh, uh, headway against the winds it's difficult for them to keep the ship on course and so they decided to sail north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland and they're going and they're wondering and it's and it's it's a slog of a sail finally they go and they they get there in a place called Fair Havens the weather was dangerous it's fall and fall in that area would have reminded them of storms and Paul tells them he says listen I I think there's trouble. I believe there's trouble ahead if we go. There's going to be a shipwreck or loss of cargo and perhaps even danger to our lives. But the captain was more interested in a time frame than the the logic even, not, not even just the prophetic logic, but just the simple logic of you don't sail in hurricanes. And so they went up. They were going to Phoenix a little further up the coast of Crete. They were going to spend the winter there. It was a good harbor, a place where the the, the boat would have been safe. And so a favorable wind sprang up from the south and they thought they could make it. They pull up their anchor and they begin to sail away. And then as weather on the sea so often does, in just an instant, just an instant, what was a calm, nice, gentle breeze turns into a full-blown gale, what we would call a nor'easter. They could not turn the ship and so they just had to let it run. They're trying. They're doing everything they could. There was a little lifeboat or, 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 or a pilot boat that they would use to go to the shore that was behind them. The Bible says they had to drag that in and hoist it up on the main boat. And they were going. They bound the ship with ropes. And what it means is that ship was being tossed and construction was not what you and I can do today. And so they would take ropes 
and they would run them under the ship and they essentially were tying their ship together so it wouldn't come apart in the storm. They were trying to do everything. They were afraid that they were going to be driven across the sandbars that lie off the African coast. They lowered an anchor which would be what we call a drift sock that was trying to slow them but Every day it got worse. Gale, forest winds continued to batter the ship. They were throwing cargo overboard. They were taking even the sails and the tackle and the block and all of that that they had. They were throwing it overboard and the storm raged on. It blotted out many days. It blotted out the sun, the stars, until they had at last felt that they had lost all hope. Without going too far in the story because there's a lot that happened. Paul tells them, look, everything's going to be okay even though you were ignorant and left when you shouldn't have. Uh, God wants me to stand before Caesar so he's going to protect. But in verse 27, there it says that at midnight on the 14th night of the storm, they were being driven across the Sea of Adria. The sailors sensed that the land was near and they dropped a weighted line. Long before they had depth finders and sounders, they would take a line that was marked at every foot or fathom, if you will, and it would have a weight, and they could drop it down until it touched bottom, and they could see how deep the water was. And the Bible tells us that when they first did it, it was 120 feet deep. A little bit later, they measured. Now it was only 90 foot deep, and they realized that they were in the helpless hands of the storm being chased towards the rocky cliffs of the shore that was there. And the Bible says they threw out four anchors and prayed for daylight. Four anchors to hold them in the midst of a storm. Later on, Paul says, release the anchors and let's go. And, 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 and it's a prophetic word. It's God saying, I'll take control. But let me just stop for a moment and, and just kind of pause the story for tonight right there. Sometimes in the midst of a storm, all you can do is throw out an anchor. Now, I have seen and been privileged to see Niagara Falls, and it's beautiful. Anybody else been privileged to go see the falls? It's pretty incredible to watch that cascading water bounce off the rocks. And, uh, you know, there's those it's become famous, maybe not so much lately, but it was famous for people that would strap themselves into a whiskey barrel and go over the falls in a barrel and see if they survived. And later on, they made newer barrels and did that. And although I have not seen it, they tell me that if you get on the Niagara River, which is what flows over the falls, they say that upstream of the falls, there is a sign warning them falls ahead. And the sign says, do you have an anchor? A little bit further downstream, there is another sign that says, do you know how to use it? Because after that sign, if you don't have an anchor, don't know how to use it, bye-bye something about it. It, it. That anchor, do you have an anchor? I could ask the same question to you today. Do you have an anchor? Can I tell you the worst time to start looking for an anchor is when you need it. 
If you wait until the storm of life rattles you and shakes you and begins to move you to and fro, if that's the moment you start looking for an anchor, you might as well just hang it up and go over the falls. But could I help somebody right now that maybe it's okay right now. Maybe things are going smooth right now. But why don't you look inside your boat and find, do you have an anchor? What does an anchor do? The most simplest of all definitions of an anchor is it holds your boat still. It's 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 36 where they begin to say of God, thou hast enlarged my steps under me so that my feet did not slip. I know I'm mixing metaphors, I get that. But I am drawn to that phrase, my feet did not slip. Slip. It's Psalm 17:5 that the Lord holds up my goings in my path, that my footsteps slip not. It's Psalms 18 and 31, the exact same words recorded in 2 Samuel 22, where it said that you enlarge my steps under me, that my feet did not slip. I think I've told the story here. As a pastor, it's always hard to make those decisions. Do we cancel church or not cancel church? Especially in the wintertime. Because, invariably, one snowflake falls out of the sky and y'all start calling me. Are we going to have church tonight? One snowflake. And then I get another call. If this is you, own it. Hey, pastor, I don't think I'm going to come to church tonight. It's a little slippery outside, all right? And so then I make that hard call to cancel church. And then I see on Facebook, you who was too scared to go to church, I see you at Sledden, Walmart, Applebee's. Yeah. So it's hard to make that call. One night, it was a Wednesday night, I believe, and they were predicting some freezing rain. Church started, A1, no freezing, nothing. Y'all weren't listening to anything I said. I might as well have just been talking to the wall because y'all were too worried about the freezing rain. And in my mind, I said, it ain't freezing rain. So I kept preaching. I got done, and we got in the car, and I was mad. I told my wife, I said, I can't believe everybody was freaking out. Look, the roads are perfect. And they were. Until I got to my subdivision. We used to live on top of Mount Everest in Lake St. Louis. About 300 miles up. It was perfect. I hit that. I'm going up. I get all the way. It's it's about a, a half a mile or so hill. I get all the way to our driveway. And the tires lost traction and slipped. It's pretty cool. I I felt safe because I heard, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Figured that much praying we ought to be safe. You learn something about me when when crazy things happen, when, 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 when dangerous situations happen, I get tunnel vision. 
I won't freak out. I'll, 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 I'll get real quiet. If you ever see pastor really quiet, something bad's about to happen. And so I'm watching it. We're sliding down backwards, trying to figure out what to do. There's cars on either side. Finally, I, I say I want to go forward, and so I flip the wheel, and now we're going forward, except now we're going toward a car. Then we end up hitting a curb, and we go all the way, slide all the way down that hill. What I forgot to tell you was that we uh, had stopped at Walmart or Walgreens to get some milk because that's the perfect time to go shopping. And we had all this in our car at the bottom of a half-mile hill in church clothes. And so we start climbing Everest in the ice. My wife in her heels, me in slick sole leather dress shoes. I'm holding Zoe, who's just a little thing at that point. We're walking up people's yards trying to get it. And finally, unfortunately, the only way to get to our house because of the way the, the terrain is, is to go on the other side. So we're walking up. Now I've got the road that i got to cross. You ever seen anybody cross ice? It's like this. <laughs> I'm holding Zoe. I'm holding gallons of milk. I get about five feet on that road and my feet doth slip. I fall, I'm holding Zoe like this, I fall so that I land on here and basically try not to crush my poor beautiful little daughter. If you could have a video, we'd have won America's Funniest Home Videos because I'm absolutely Patrick Star, spread eagle, going like this down that hill. With the milk. Your feet slip. Then I climbed up Mount Everest. By this time, one of my neighbors up the road saw what was happening. He had a bag of ice, and here's what he was doing. He came out three or four houses away. He's got a bag of ice, and he's going. Bag of salt, not ice. That would have been stupid. Don't even say anything, Grant. Just It's a bad feeling when you lose traction. It's a bad feeling when you're trying to go somewhere and suddenly your feet are slipping. But cannot tell you, sometimes in life, there are things that act upon our life that cause and tries to drive us back or cause to drive us off course. And we're slipping and sliding and we're at the mercy of the wind that, that buffets our craft. But if you've got an anchor, you can say, but my feet did not slip. There was an old sea captain that was quizzing a young naval student and he said to him, he said, what are you going to take if, you, if a sudden storm springs up off the starboard bow? And the young uh, 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 naval student said, well, I'd throw out an anchor, sir. Captain smiled. He said, oh, but what happens if another storm comes up here on the aft side? What are you going to do? I'd throw out another anchor, sir. What if a storm comes at the bow of the boat? What are you going to do? I'd throw out another anchor, Captain. Hey, son, where in the world are you getting all those anchors? Well, Captain, same place you're getting all those storms. Boats might be limited by how many anchors they can carry, but my life is not limited 
by the anchors that the Lord provides. Let me tell you about all those anchors we're talking about. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21 that says, Hold fast to all which is good. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13. Hold fast the form of sound words. It's Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. It's Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 that says, seeing that we have a high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our professions. It's Hebrews 10 and verse 23. Let us hold fast the professions of our faith without wavering. It's Revelations chapter 2 and verse 25. But that which you have already, hold fast till I Come. It's Revelation chapter 3 and verse 3. Remember all that you have received and heard and hold fast. Our first Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11, or verse 12 rather, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Do you have an anchor? Last time Andy Smith got on my boat, we needed an anchor. I got a new boat. You need to come try my new boat, Brother Andy. I think we'll do better. I had an old boat. Some of you know this story, but I had an old boat, 1968, 10 or 11 years older than I am. Ran pretty good for, for a, I don't know what it'd be now, uh, about a 50-year-old motor. We were out on the Mississippi. You remember that? It's a great thing. That Mississippi's good. It's good fishing until your motor stops. We were going to go over to Illinois and eat at a restaurant there in Grafton, which, by the way, that's all flooded, and we need to pray for Grafton and Portage to Sioux. I just saw today that Winfield Dam, or Winfield uh, uh, levees have breached, and so Winfield's now underwater, or will be underwater. Uh, Brother Bob Hickey and them, they've that their house is built in such a way that they'll be okay, but... All, everything around them is just an island. In fact, we brought them a little boat so they can get in and out there. But uh, we were going to go over to Grafton and eat at the restaurant, and the boat motor stopped. And here's the problem with the river. If you don't have a running motor, my only option was to end up in New Orleans. <laughs> the only thing I knew to do New Orleans is at the end of the Mississippi River, in case y'all are wondering. Um, the only thing I could do was throw out an anchor. There was nothing I could do at that moment. I, I, I could work on the motor, but again, the longer I would work on the motor, the closer I'd get to New Orleans. So I did what I knew best to do. I threw out an anchor. When I threw out an anchor, I stopped. I wasn't out of danger yet, if, you, if I can call danger. I mean, I, my, my motor still didn't work. I still wasn't going to get home in the, in, the, in the shape that we were in. Luckily, uh, some surveying, uh, underwater surveying ship came by and they towed us in. But here's the thing that I want to get across to somebody for just a moment. Sometimes all the anchor does is hold you in the middle of a storm. You might not be going forward. You might not be getting where God wants you to get. But just hold on and throw out the anchor and say, God, till the storm passes over, I'm going to stay here and at least I'm not going backwards that's the reason 
we need an anchor. There's only one verse that I can find that spiritually talks about our anchor. It's found in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and to which entereth into that within the veil. There are two things that that anchor does. That anchor holds us fast in the midst of a storm. And it will hold us long enough to give me access to God on high. Sometimes you throw the anchor out and you take time to fix the boat. Sometimes you throw the anchor out and you bail out the boat. Sometimes you throw out the anchor and stay still until somebody comes that can bring you in. Let me quote again from Pastor Joel Urshan. I've seen the righteous weep. I've seen the righteous struggle. I've seen the righteous stumble, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken if you'll throw out an anchor. Sometimes in lives there are storms that rise up. There are storms in which you're tossed and turned by contrary winds. If I could quote from the authors of some of our hymns, I've had my little bark, I've had my little boat battered by the waves. There are moments in my life that I've been fearful and scared. I've had my ups and my downs. Life has not always treated me kind and you could say the same thing. I've had my sorrows and I've had my pain. I've had my trials and I've had my depression. I've had my hurts. I've been kicked down, stepped on, despised and made fun of. I've screamed in frustration. I've cried in deep despair and I've wept with great sadness. But when I was eight years old, I learned the value of an anchor. At eight years old, I put something in this boat that I've made sure for the last 38 or 32 years that I made sure never left my boat, the anchor of Jesus Christ. And in the course of my life, I've learned when storms come, I can throw out the anchor I might not be going anywhere but at least I'm not moving backwards sometimes all I can do is hold on to Jesus hold still and let the storm pass by I've had water in the boat and just a little QT cup to dump it out I've been a little seasick here and there but at least I was still I have an anchor in the dark of the midnight have I oft hid my face while the storms rage above me and there's no hiding place amid the crash of the thunder precious Lord hear my cry keep me safe till the storm passes by till the storm passes over till the thunder sounds no more till the clouds roll forever from the sky hold me fast and let me stand safe in the hollow of thy hand keep me safe till the storm passes by do you have an anchor 
was David in some trying moments of his life. As he surveyed the life around him and things that were happening, he saw the storm assailing him and he said in Psalm 73, I know God's good to Israel to such as of a clean heart. Everybody else, they, they, they're okay. God, you love them, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. I'm drifting, God. I look around and everybody else's life is perfect, but God, look at me. I'm slipping. I'm sliding. The storm has me in its grasp. It's pushing me. Until you get to Psalms 94, 17. Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. And when I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. There are moments in your life when you are at this side of David's life and you say, but as for me, my feet are slipping. But I invite you to walk with me on this side of David's life where he said, when my foot was slipping, your mercy sustained me. His anchor is his mercy. Would you stand all across this building? I'm preaching to someone today who's in a storm. I'm preaching to someone today whose boat is rocking. You've lost sight of the horizon. You don't know what end is up or down. You don't know if you're going north, south, east, west. You have no idea what's happening. But I encourage you right now that in the midst of a storm, would you grab hold of your anchor, Jesus Christ, and say, Lord, just let me hold on to you until the storm ceases. I have an anchor. Somebody call upon him right now. Would you lift your voice? Would you lift your hand? Would you grab hold of that in the name of Jesus?